morning. Bryce, quick question for you. Can you bring me down just a little bit, Karen? Did you know you were leaving? <laughs> uh, it sounded like you were being sent. I don't know if you were. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, today we're, we're sending Bryce is leaving us today. Bryce, where are you going, by the way? Southern Utah University. Southern Utah University. On mission for snowboarding, it sounds like. All right. I, I understand. Mom and Dad, I feel called to Utah. Can I bring my snowboard with me? I understand how that goes. Uh, I'm Chris Cannon, and I'm filling in, and uh, glad to be here this morning. I ran into some old friends, and uh, friends of Mrs. Omaji and Mrs. Meek, who I went to school, middle school, Malga Cove School. Malga Cove School, anybody? Malga Cove School, anybody? Nobody here? My people. Uh, I was thinking when I was drove up here this morning that uh, that, that big tower over here off of, uh, on Crest Ridge, you guys know the tower, that radar tower? I flew a, I shouldn't, any high schoolers? Bryce, you're leaving high school, right? I put a flag up there when I was in high school. That was another story. It was a different time in my, different time in my life, okay? So don't judge. All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Speaking of prodigal sons, right? Luke 15. And if you've uh, had the opportunity to be with me when I get to fill in for Pastor Jim, uh, we're going to read a passage and then we're going to talk about it. And when I say talk about it, that means who? Yes, right, yes, I'll be, I'll be calling on you. So be, if, you, if you look down, that means I'm going to call on you. Looking down means that's code to me like, please call on me right now. Yeah, you guys get it. Okay, you'll, you'll follow along. Um, I've got my grandkids, three of the grandkids moved home with, with us recently. And we have uh, six all together. And so I've, just, I've rediscovered Pokemon cards or Pokemon. What's the, is it Pokemon or Pokemon or... Mr. Stan, Mr. Mr. Steger, is it Pokemon? How do you, Pokemon? Okay, yeah. So I, you know, we we now have cards again, and, and I'd forgotten about that. And I'm reminded of the shiny ones. You know, the shiny ones are more than the more valuable than the non-shiny ones. And I I had baseball cards, and I remember watching recently a documentary on baseball card uh, uh, sales, the auctions of baseball cards and i have a roberto clemente card if anybody's interested in buying that off of me i can pay for bryce's first year college um, so i i'm thinking about how we value things what might be to someone worth three hundred thousand dollars that's the uh, P- the pikachu card in case you're wondering mr steger it's the pikachu shiny card is worth three hundred thousand dollars from 1997 but so some of us are like i'll just toss that card right and we're going to talk today about value and how we value and what we value and who we value, and maybe others don't see what we see the way that we see that. And particularly, we want to get God's perspective. How does God see people, places, and things, so to speak? And it might be different than how we do. And maybe we need to learn, like a lot of us, like me, how to have God reset my sense of of vision. So with that being said, let's pick up Luke chapter 15, verse 1. And we're going we're gonna to interact with the passage. And then, like I said, when we finish, we're going to have a little Q&A. But let me, let me kind of set it up here. As we read, I want you to pay attention to a few things. Why is this chapter so important? Okay, why, is this, why is this chapter particularly important? And, and you can say Jesus just to make sure. If you're not sure what the answer is, just say Jesus. Okay. Uh, uh, why is this chapter so important? Uh, what are the owners feeling? We're going to be reading about three different scenarios, a lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And each of those different, the sheep, the coin, and the son, there's somebody that, that claims them, a father and two owners. What are those owners feeling in the story? Third, 
what are the friends and guests thinking? What are the friends and the guests? Because there's going to be a celebration after each of these things is found, coin, sheep, and son. Okay? And then lastly, what words can seem to keep reoccurring? Or what word or words continue to reappear? And if you've been through Philippians, I'm going to give you a little hint. It was in Philippians too, okay? Maybe that'll prompt you. Okay, that being said, let's start. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners, isn't there a separate category of sinner called tax collectors? Isn't that interesting? There's a separate category of sinner called tax collectors. It's like, you know, anybody live in Hermosa Beach? The parking people, never mind, we're going to, I, I digress. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the, the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Don't you wonder what muttering sounds like? I'd like to see that replayed sometime later on in glory. But they, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Gross, right? Ooh. Then Jesus tells them this parable. So let's, let's, let's pause right here. The whole rest of the chapter, the three stories, are essentially an, an answer to this moment. You follow me so far? So there, there seems to be some controversy around who Jesus likes to hang around with. And in response to the muttering and the complaining, maybe under their breath, you, know, you see the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they like to kind of be in the outskirts. There was always this kind of group of people that needed Jesus, the hung on got close to him, and then the Pharisees kind of stood at a distance and complained. And, and Jesus knows this is going on. And so Jesus, knowing what's being said, knowing their reaction, takes this moment to speak three stories. And these three stories tell a big truth to all of us about what he's doing. In response to their complaint, Jesus begins to tell one story, which was the first of three. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, 100 sheep, and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? I wonder how long that would take. Notice the word until, right? It, it, seems, it seems to kind of speak of duration. Verse 5, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Who do you think he's talking to right there, right? kind of getting their attention. Verse 8, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully? Search carefully, like the word until. Search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin." In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you see a theme beginning to build? Right? Something's lost. Something's looked for. It's going to move on, isn't it? It's going to continue to a third story. Let me, before we, turn, before we, we pick up the last story, what does the coin... And what does the sheep contribute to being found? Nothing. 
In fact, the sheep might make it even harder, would you guess? Well, maybe wandering further away. But it isn't like that they, they, they said, i got to go home, and they, they found their way back home. They do nothing. Who's doing all the heavy lifting? The shepherd, the owner, the one, who ha- the one who's lost the valued possession, is doing all the work. Now, having three grandkids in the house means I'm looking for things all the time. Where did I put that? That I remember that I've got three little gremlins in the house that are also moving things around the, the house. And, and I spend a, a fair amount of time asking, and then I get this, like, I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, so there's, there's lost things, searching, and the coin and the sheep provide no relief to the owner of, who's looking for them. Verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. Let's go back to this one more more time. Verse 11 and 12. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, now in those days, you didn't necessarily have cash in the vault in the in the in the, in, in the house. You, you know, you you to divide your 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 inheritance or to receive your inheritance, it came with the sale of property. This wasn't a matter of this wasn't an easy thing to do. Son, I'll be right back. Let me go to the the safe in the garage. I'll open it. Give you your here's your here's your inheritance. What is the son really saying to his father? What's he really saying to his father? Hurry up and die, or even worse, since you haven't died yet. I'm tired of waiting for you to die. Isn't that what he's saying? I'm tired of waiting for you to die. I can't wait any longer. I'm not getting any younger, Dad. I need to go spend my, your hard-earned money, my inheritance, which I haven't earned a thing, right? I got to go spend it while I'm young. I wish you were dead. Now, I just want us to, dads to imagine how that would sound to us, right? You want, excuse me? You want, you want what? That's, the translation for that is, is, is this, it's pretty easy to figure out, isn't it? You wish I were dead. So the father does it. Not long after that, verse 13, the younger son got together, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. I wonder if the word his refers to the father or the son. But he, he squanders it, right? He, he misappropriates it. He doesn't just spend it on a bad investment. He spends it in wild living. And later on, we're going to hear what that wild living looked like. Right, man? Right, right, right folks? We're going to hear from the older brother what that looked like, right? He spent it in wild living. After he had spent everything, not just, not just most of it. How many parents are cringing right now? Bryce, are you paying attention to this? <laughs> Bryce, you better be on your toes today. I'm going to be calling on you a few times. I've got a feeling. Yeah, you know, like, like, son, you went up to Utah to go to college, and you spent our hard-earned money on, I don't know, just right on stuff, right? But we can, but all of us who are parents and have had kids become adults or young adults, we know that we, 
we, we don't want to monitor their allowances and spending, but we can go, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, gosh, right? Like our dad's moms did to us. He spent it on everything, and there was a severe famine in the whole land. And he began to be in need, and he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed, what does it say? Pigs, swine. Any way you want to say it, it's the same thing, isn't it? He sent them to feed the pigs in the field. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, what, what do you suppose that the, the listeners are doing in this context? 2,000 years ago, Karen's like, ah! Yeah, these are Jewish people. These are the Pharisees. Pigs aren't exactly kosher, are they, right? I mean, everything about this son, here, listen, pay attention, please is painting a worst-case scenario picture. He's, Jesus is painting a picture of someone so rebellious and offensive by his decisions and his actions that there's nobody worse. There's, there's nobody culturally worse in this environment at this time than this younger brother. He goes to a faraway country, spends the, the, the father's hard-earned money and inheritance on wild living, and ends up with nothing. He's so desperate that he hires himself out to an owner of that country. He's not in Israel. He's in the Gentile land. And he's, and he's feeding pigs. And he gets... He, has anybody ever wanted pig pods before? Anybody ever like, I could go for some pig pods right about now. Man, I am so hungry. I... It's either a steak or some pig food. I can't make up my mind right now. No, it, I mean, it's a picture of, people are probably like looking for buckets. Like, <coughs> I mean, people are probably gagging. Aren't you, what do you think? They're listening to this story. We're, we're hearing it from 2,000 years later. They're hearing it in the moment of like, Dude, what are you talking about? What kind of son does this? This is gross. This kid deserves to die. This kid's a rebel. Yeah, Jesus is painting. You think I hang out with sinners and tax collectors? Let me tell you a story. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Now they're probably going, Yeah, <laughs> serves him right. What you get? Right? There's some, maybe a sense for some of the listeners like, hope he gets, hope, he, hope no one takes him back. I hope he dies in the desert. I hope he gets what is coming to him. Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. I'm sure... Uh, Ken Garland could, could take the word compassion and explain to you the actual pronunciation in, in Greek, and, but it describes, a, Ken, correct me if I'm, like a gut feeling, doesn't it? A, a deep sense of hurt, like getting punched in the stomach. The father feels something, something surprising, compassion. And, and to me, compassion is always completed by an action. You never have compassion without action. Compassion is an action. It's, it's not just a feeling, it's completed by an action. When Jesus had compassion on crowds, he either fed them or prayed for them. You with me so far? It's an action. 
the father has compassion on his son. And he runs to him, throws his arms around him, and kisses him. The son said to him, he begins his speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father stops the speech, doesn't he? But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the vest robe and put her on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to what? Celebrate. They began to rejoice, didn't they? Don't we want the parable to end right there? Don't we want the parable to end right there? And there is no verse 25. I I do. (laughs) The hardest part of this chapter is about to come our way in in a moment here. Meanwhile, the camera pans outside the party, and there's a grumpy older brother, isn't there? Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Put your hand over your Bible. What do you hope is going to happen? He's going to join the party. My brother's home. I know what this means. Dad's found my brother. He's home safe and sound. I can't wait to run in and be part of the celebration. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The other brother became angry. And refused to do to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property, and here's how we did it, with prostitutes, comes home. You, 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 hear that indictment? You killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we, we, notice that? We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So Jesus tells the story, doesn't he? How does the story begin? There's some question about who Jesus keeps company with. Why do you eat with those folks? They're they're degrading. They're not like us. They're not good like we are. Okay, let's hear hear from you. What did you, uh, raise your hand. I won't call on you, promise. I might call on Bryce. Uh, (laughs) What did you get out of it? What stood out to you? What word or words? What spoke to you in the passage? We just get a few people to share. Uh, what you got out of the story. Yeah. Compassion. And, and, and I think what it speaks to me is I want to be compassionate too. Because you know, what, you know what gets me in this story? Is I'm not always happy when some people come back to Jesus. I'm not always happy when some people get restored. And I'm convicted by that. I'm not telling you that as a badge of honor. I'm just telling you that compassion hurts. It hurts. 
What else? Rejoicing. There's that word from Philippians, right? The operative word in Philippians. Paul says, rejoice always. I say it again, rejoice. And here's, here's a lot of rejoicing, isn't there? Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And every time something is found, there's a call to the community. Come on over, right? We're having a celebration. What else? Forgiveness. Man. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy. To cancel debts and, and forgive and not make mention of. Because biblically, when God, for, when God doesn't remember our sins, it isn't like God has a lapse in memory. God doesn't bring them up again, right? God doesn't call to mind our past sins and say, I'm just kidding, I, for, I forgive you. Wouldn't that be awful? No, he, forgiveness. What else? Oh, pardon me? Repentance. True repentance. A turning. A turning from here to here and, and a desire to come home. In fact, I think he maybe gets a half a step home. Because if the parables are consistent, the son doesn't meet the father halfway or vice versa. The father does all the lifting. The father is looking out the window. The father has the lights on on the front porch. Right? You are with me? The father isn't, hey, is that my son out there? The picture is he's a long ways away. And what does the father do? What's the action of the father? He runs. What no Jewish man would ever do in society would be to hike up your robe and run through the, where's he going? Where's, where's the old guy going? Let's follow him. This is going to be exciting. He's going to get his son? Are you kidding me? That, that poor excuse for a human being? And he smells like pigs. Right? Repentance. He's had, a, he's had a genuine change of heart. What's the first word out of the father's mouth when the son begins his speech? <laughs> I'm not going to let you finish your speech. The first word is quick. The first word is quick to what Dave was saying. The, the impression is this. I need to protect you from the villagers. I need to protect you from yourself. I need to take away your shame. Hey, before you wallow in any more pig stuff and your own guilt, you with me so far? Before you wallow in that any longer, I'm going to rescue you from yourself and from the people around you. Who, who among us this morning has ever needed someone to put their arm around you when you were the wrong person, when you were the wrong one? Yeah. I'll never forget the people that loved me when I needed to be known. I needed to know I was forgiven. Ken Garland was one of them. And your pastor. What else do you get out of this, these stories? Yeah, restoration. To be made like new. To be made like new. To be restored. Those of you that work with furniture understand some of the idea that we've, you want to bring it back to its original condition, you might say. 
Yeah, restoration. Let's get a couple more thoughts in. What else stands out? Yeah, Juanita? God's character. Yeah, this, this, these whole, all these three stories are being told by the Son of God, God himself in flesh. We're, when we're hearing Jesus talk to us, who, who are we really hearing talk to us? God. And God is saying, this is what I'm to do, and this is who I am, this is what I'm about, and this is my mission, and join me in this mission. Be, be, be part of this. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah, for the, for the older or the younger, or both? Yeah, yeah. Why doesn't the story have an ending? Because we write the ending. We write the ending. The Pharisees write the ending. Do you, you follow me so far? Who, what other story in the Bible ends like this? Jonah. <laughs> Jonah. It, it's very similar. Jonah goes out and he doesn't want to go to, to Nineveh. I don't like those people, but I know it's going to happen. My God is compassionate and forgiving. I'm, he's going to forgive them. I don't want to go. And he, God says, you're, you're going, mister. And he gets there. And who one of, what, any one of us in three days need a revival? 120 Redondo and Hermosa Beach combined respond to the gospel, the message of repentance, and God forgives them, and Jonah's like, I'm mad. <laughs> and there he's, he's sitting on his little plant, and, and he's got his arm, he's got an iced tea, and he's there, he's, and binoculars. Ah, they're still there. Oh, I knew he would forgive them. And God says, what's going on out here, Jonah? He's like, I'm angry. Really? I'm angry enough to die. Whoa, take it easy, mister. Angry enough to die. I knew this was going to happen. And God says, look, shouldn't I care about 120,000 people who don't know the left hand from the right hand, and other, and including other animals as well? Question mark. End of story. Because we write the end of Jonah. We write the end of the prodigal son's parable this is a this is a message to church people <laughs> i'd rather talk about the prodigal son than church people why because i'm church people and i've been a prodigal and frankly it's easier to sometimes treat prodigals than church people we may not see ourselves in the story my grandkids' favorite phrase, maybe, you, maybe this, raise your hand if you've ever heard this before in your house. I want to see if it's just my house. Here it is, ready? That's not fair. <laughs> Anybody else heard that in your family before? Where does that come from? Who taught them that in school? No, it's a part, it's the sin nature, right? It, it's the sense of, I don't just, I deserve better. I didn't do anything wrong. I should have, I should have, it happened this morning at breakfast. Like, what's the deal? It's the cry of the sin nature, isn't it? I deserve. Marketing has learned one word to use consistently in marketing. The word deserve, right? Appealing to this sense that we have of or of fairness. Yeah, so you're right, Karen. The story doesn't end with an ending. It, it ends because we write the ending to the story. 
Here's some of my thoughts real quick, and then we're going to get into the, the older brother. Notice again, something is lost. Here's the sequence. Something's lost, something is sought, something is found, and something is celebrated. Something's lost, something is sought, something is found, and something is celebrated. Notice again that the lost, the one who's lost, does none of the work. The credit all goes to the owner. The credit, if there's credit involved, it all goes to the one doing the looking. Notice that the father goes to both sons. The father has to go to both sons. Not just the one son. He goes to both. Notice that one son is defined by what he does, the prodigal. And one is defined by what he doesn't do, the older brother. I have never disobeyed a single one of your orders. What kind of relationship do we have here? All these years I've what, does he say? Slave for you. You ever feel like that's how you are with God? We would never say that in church, would we? But if we feel like that's how our relationship with God is, is a slaving relationship, we might be missing it. One son believes he's not worthy, the prodigal. One believes that he is worthy, the older brother. These are the contrasts. But again, there's a lot of rejoicing. Now, if I, if I lost this coin, it's, it's worth $1. It says it right here on the back. I lost it. I looked for it. I found it. I called you all to my house and said, Chick-fil-A for everybody. Admiral Risty, you know, it's closed. Chick-fil-A for everybody. What might one of you think to, to himself or herself but not tell me? That guy's crazy. <laughs> it's only a dollar. Five if you want to pay for a silver coin. Or ten. 20. That guy, that guy has a crazy valuation of a coin. Write this down someplace. The value of a possession or object is determined by the owner and not the observer. The value of a possession or object or even a person is determined by the owner and not by the observer. Does that make sense? This older brother sees this younger brother as not even his own family. What does he call him to his father? What does he call him? This son of yours. He's not even saying they belong to each other. Or the father, when he corrects the older brother, says, this brother of yours, he brings back relationship. He brings back relationship. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You ever think about the people that live along the freeways and tarps when you're driving? Right? You see people, and maybe they're in front of Trader Joe's, or, or maybe it's not as quite as, you know, I, I know uh, you guys go to Beacon Lights, and you see people at Beacon Light that are living, they used to live right in the alley there for a little while until they clean up the alley. But you see people that are down on luck, and you ever, you ever, you ever think to yourself, they play t-ball. They play t-ball. 
They were, they were in Girl Scouts. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? And we forget, we, uh, okay, I'll, okay, I'll say this. I forget that, that they were made in the same image and same likeness, unless it's going to be your next series. But, but that because we're all human beings, no matter how we came into being, we're made by God for God's purposes and in his image. And are loved by God. And God is on a mission through his son to bring all of us back to him. What did Jesus say? For God so loved the world. How does The word so tells us how God loves, right? For God so loved that what did he do? He gave. And not just anything, he gave his only, his only son. And then Jesus says, I didn't come into this world to be served, to get, to, get a, uh, to get all the treatment that I deserve, like the Pharisees. No, I came to serve and to what? What's the next verb? Give my life as a ransom. Jesus is saying, I came to look for the wayward, the lost. The older brother. His talking points are easy to kind of follow. There's me, him, and you. (laughs) Right? There's me, the older brother. There's him, that son of yours. And there's you, the Foolish father. All these years, I gotta tell you, whenever I've taught this passage in men's groups or at church, I've either avoided <laughs> the last part of the story or, or waded through it with other men who are saying the same thing my grandkids say. That's not fair. The older brother's got a point. You ever feel that way? He's got a good point, doesn't he? What does he want to do with that goat that his father hasn't given to him? Enjoys with his friends. Enjoy with his friends. He doesn't have a relationship with his dad. And his dad's saying, son, everything I have in this entire house is yours. I'm yours. And if, and if we're here today and we're saying, I got to go to church versus I get to go to church, Maybe many of us had to go to church, or you got to go to church, or it's part of tradition, or it's part of how you present yourself externally to people around you is, oh, there we go, I'm going to church, see you later, sinners, ha, 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 ha. Wow, okay, right? No, it's, I, I go because I get to go. I go because I get to worship and celebrate the one that gave my life value and forgave me, who made me and restored me and brought me back to himself because he loves me. When you, when you have a got-to mentality with church and you invite your friends to church, what are they thinking? Why? You don't want to go. Why would I want to go? But when you're saying, no, I, I, I get to go to church. I get to worship the Lord. I, I want to. When I was lost, he found me. And he complains to the father. I can't, and he won't go in. He won't, he won't enter into the rejoicing and the party. He won't, everybody else in town is there. This is the biggest thing ever. This is the fattened calf. This is, this is of great worth to the father. He's, this, was, this was being saved for Bryce's graduation from college. 
It's things saved for a wedding. It's things saved for a celebration. And you're spending it on your loser son? No, I've spent it on your brother, my son. And I got lots more money to buy more fattened calves in the future. The story begins and ends with a question. Why do you hang out with sinners? And here's how how the story ends with the next question. Why don't you? Why don't you? You follow me? It's kind of like this gentle rebuke of, this is what I do, why don't you? If this is what I do as the Son of God on mission from the Father in heaven, if this is what I'm doing, why don't you also join me? So as we wrap this up this morning, who do you know who's lost? Could be a, could be, I didn't do anything. Just standing right here. Could be a, a could be a son or daughter, right? Could be a, a friend, a colleague. Could be a neighbor. Could be a grandchild. Could be a parent. Could be somebody that used to worship here at Peninsula Community. Sometimes all you need, you know what, it's, it's not a where have you been phone call, it's just a how are you phone call. You know the difference? One's a question and one's a statement. Hey, I've, hey, I've missed you. Guarantee they're going to tell you why I'm not at church. But you're not asking him. Hey, I was, I was at church and this guest guy was talking today about people that maybe haven't seen for a while and I thought about you. Just wanted you to know I was thinking about you today. Who do you know who's lost? Or am I lost? Have I turned into an older brother? Have I turned into a curmudgeon? Have I turned into the guy that wants to win the arguments? Have I turned into a blamer? Well, that's what you get when you take off from the father's house. That's what you get. You get what you deserve. Next caller. Right? Like a talk radio show. Oh, uh, my friend, uh, his son, went, uh, that's what happens. Next caller. Have I turned into the older brother forgotten and despised and despising the grace of God? And here's what I see happening a lot in, in today's culture. Many of us have chosen to be right over relationships. We want to win the argument rather than restore the relationship. Are you with me so far? We want to win the argument more than win the relationship or maintain the relationship. And maybe you're thinking, well, but Chris, but what if they're wrong? Well, what if you're wrong? What if we're all wrong? What seems to be so important to the Father in these stories? Relationship. Of course the younger son's wrong. He knows it. And so does the older brother, but he doesn't quite know it yet, does he? But what's really going on here is the father wants a relationship. 
Let me urge us, us to make three choices today, and then we're going to pray. Three choices. Number one, choose relationship over winning the debate. Some of us are losing our kids and our grandkids because we're stubborn. We're stubborn. There's a way to win the, there's a, there's a way to have both of these conversations. Choose relationship. Number two, choose to pay the price like the father did and the woman and the man who lost the sheep, the coin, and the son. Do the looking. Do the searching. Do the sweeping. Pay for Chick-fil-A, right? Do pay the price. Write this down. Cancel debts, not people. Cancel debts, not people. And finally this, choose to believe that if God's, if you're not dead and they're not dead, then God's not done. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have pursued lost ones. Some of you know how hard it was to pursue a lost son or daughter. But you wouldn't trade it for anything because you have the relationship back. God so loved all of us that he gave his only son. Choose relationship over winning the debate. Choose to pay the price. Pray, look, plead. Number three, choose to believe that if they're not dead, then God's not done. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, Peninsula Community Church. Thank you for this beacon on the peninsula that continues to worship you in spirit and truth and with volume. And I pray that you bless the work of their hands. And Father, I pray that as, as image bearers, as Peninsula begins a new series, that we will remember that both brothers were made in your image and you sought them both. You went to them both. You pleaded with them both. Father, may we be likewise. May we remember your grace. May we be eager to be willing to run to the older and the younger. And God, guard us from becoming Pharisees. Guard us from becoming the people that have forgotten our own testimony. Help us, help us, I pray and we pray, to be made in your image as one who is willing to love and seek and pursue all those who are lost. In Jesus' name, amen.